Today on the Shred Takes podcast show, we're going to talk about the New York Giants and their improvement, even though they did blow a big lead, how they actually have been improving each week and where they need to take off in the next steps of their development. I'm also going to talk about Stan Van Gundy going to New Orleans Pelicans, Billy Donovan going to the Chicago Bulls, and talking about how those fit within the schemes, as well as predicting if the Patriots could turn around against the 49ers this weekend. All that on the Stret Takes podcast show. Welcome back to the Shred Takes podcast show. I've been a, gone for a little while, been busy with some stuff, but I'm really glad to be back on to discuss some sports, the latest that's been going on. And I want to break down first what my New York Giants failed to do on Thursday night, which is beat the Philadelphia Eagles, get a chance to actually lead this horrible division in the NFC East. And they lost 22 to 21. They were up 21 to 10 in the fourth quarter and then allowed 12 more points, allowed Carson Wentz to make a comeback. But I want to take some positives out of that. Now, look, the Eagles did a great job. And look, people can look at Carson Wentz's QBR of 55.3 and say he didn't do a great job. But what Carson Wentz did do is at least lead them into position to win that game. So besides the fact that Carson Wentz has not had a great season, right, he's leading the league in turnovers and you know, hasn't really had his, again, his most dominant season. Because, And I think that's partially due to the weapons around him. I think it's his decision-making. I think it's their poor offensive line. I think, you know, he needs to be a little bit better at decision-making, obviously. But I think he also has limited weapons. He did put them in a position to win this game. And now they're winning the division, which is crazy, right? And, you know, they could be in the playoffs again. And if that goes, you know, that just shows how bad the division is because the Eagles have been very bad this year in terms of getting themselves in holes. They've been always in a, in a big hole every game. And that's primarily due to the fact that they don't come out ready to play from the start. And that's not always their fault, but it's just how it, it turns out to be for them. Now, I also want to break down again what the three things I saw the Giants need to improve on. Because look, everyone like me, I, I understand the Giants are probably not going to make the playoffs, right? And they still crazy enough still have a chance even though they're one and six which is absurd this is the first time going into a week seven game that the leading team in the division has a losing record first time in NFL history which shows you how bad the division is right so or at least I think it's the first time at least since like 2012 right so this is the worst division in NFL history. Everyone, I think, acknowledges that. I think everyone understands that this division is not good whatsoever. But what the Giants have proven to me is that they can improve, even though their youth and inexperience is hurting them. So what do I mean by that? So, like, the improvements, right? Daniel Jones had a QBR of 76.4 against the Eagles, right? He rushed for a lot of yards. As a team, they averaged six yards a carry. They actually ran for 160 yards, which is – something they don't normally do. They've been one of the worst rushing NFL teams in the NFL this year. Now, they also have had a good defense the entire year, right? They allowed 22 points. That's not a lot of points. And now the problem with them, right, is the inexperienced part. Like, I think actually the guys are getting better. Daniel Jones looks a little bit more crisp. 
And I think he, he was 20 to 30 for 187 yards. And again, he's not throwing a ton of yards, but I like the fact that he didn't throw two picks just in that last game, right? He did show some level of maturity for parts of that game. Now, not really in the fourth quarter. That fumble was a little bit too loose and too careless on his end. And that's tough, right? And it's because the Giants right now are not experiencing that. But also, look, their defense is still good, right? And I think that the fact that the running game's improving, that other guys can, you know, figure it out. Now, look, they, now their problems are their inexperience, right? I think Joe Judge, I think they buy into him, but the problem is they do have way too many penalties, still too many turnovers. They had three turnovers, and that costs a game. You, you, you have to take care of the football if you want to win. I don't care who you're playing. Um, and that, that, that just, unless it's like the New York Jets, right? Because the New York Jets are just the worst team in football right now. But the Giants have shown improvement, which I think is important, right? Like the Cowboys, for example, have shown stagnation, right? They're actually getting worse because they don't have Dak Prescott, right? So do I think the Cowboys are going to be able to turn around this weekend? I don't know because, you know, the Cowboys, even though they're the, on paper the most talented team, I think without Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, who fumbles the football too much right now, which is uncharacteristic for him, I don't know because they need a coach that's going to challenge Jerry Jones in terms of ego. I think Jerry Jones wants to have too much of a stake in, in the team. And look, I, he's been around and he thinks that's a way to be successful. Fine. I'm not going to, you know, you know, criticize him so much for that. But I think the, the coach that he's had had kind of been guys that Jerry Jones can control. And I think that's hurt them a little bit, too. So in terms of the NFC, it's also like, you know, the Eagles right now are winning the division and they are not a good football team. Right. But they're winning the division because they've gotten enough wins to do that. Right. And they deserve to win that game. I mean, even though the, even though the Giants played better than them for about three and a half quarters, they made the clutch plays in order to win that game that the Giants failed to do, right? The Giants failed to take care of the football. The Giants failed to make the right defensive stops at the end of that game, right? That's a game they had to win and they didn't win. But that's that comes with having youth, youth and experience, right? Now, Stan Van Gundy is the new head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. It's a shocker for me. I did not know they were going to go with Stan Van Gundy. I thought they would go with a guy like, Kenny Atkinson or Tyron Lue, obviously look, Tyron Lue got the Clippers job, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I think if you look at Stan Van Gundy from that perspective, Stan Van Gundy, I think actually is a great fit for young players. He actually was, in terms of how Dwight Howard played throughout his career, Dwight Howard played his best when Stan Van Gundy was his head coach, right? And he did lead the, the Pistons to multiple playoff seasons. Now they were like the eighth seed in most or seventh seed in most of those times, but he is a defensive-minded coach, and he's also a guy that can develop young talent, right? And he and he does rely on veteran leadership. Like, he did build a, a good nucleus of team, right? Orlando was not that talented when they had Dwight Howard, but what they had is a good nucleus, right? A guy they could build around, right? So they could build around Brandon Ingram and Zion with Drew Holiday, right? They have three good pl- players, right? They can rely on the veteran, veteran leadership of Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick while also allowing Zion to grow, making sure Zion's in shape, making sure Zion is working on his jump shot, right? And I think Stan Van Gundy, if you watch him as an analyst on TNT, he does a phenomenal job of breaking down games. And for people who criticize Stan Van Gundy, I'm just going to give you some stats to show you what he is as a coach in terms of his resume so I can understand why he is qualified for this job. He, he has 523 wins and 284 losses in his career, including a 48-43 and 43 playoff record, right? So again, his playoff record is an exceptional, but it's a winning playoff record, right? Which is better than what Doc Rivers was with the Clippers. And right, Doc Rivers is considered one of the best coaches in the NBA, which I disagree with, but I think he's still a great coach. But that say so like that's that shows you right there that like he knows at least how to win, right? He's won where he's been at, right? 
Also, the fact that he went to the 2009 NBA Finals with a team that was not super talented. Let's be honest. That Orlando team had Rashard Lewis, who's a decent player, right? Good player. He did Turkoglu, who's you know, not an all-star. And they had really their only all-star was Dwight Howard. And they got to the NBA Finals because they played great defense. They could hit threes. And they played around like one or two guys, right? They really played around one. But with New Orleans, they can, they can play fast, right? But they also can play good defense. I think he's going to induce, introduce a big defensive mindset for them a defensive scheme where they can use their athletic players such as Jackson Hayes and Zion and allow Derek Favors and all those kind of guys to, you know, make an impact. I think a guy like Jackson Hayes might fit, fit really well actually with Sam Van Gundy and get some minutes because he's a guy defensively that can make a huge impact, right? And you put Zion at that small ball five when you need him to, that's, that, this team can be very, very good with Sam Van Gundy as coach because Sam Van Gundy is no nonsense while Sam Van Gundy also does preach defense which will allow the transition game of the Pelicans to get more effective as it progresses forward, right? Now, that it's going to be interesting, though. Do I see this team as a playoff team next year? Maybe. Uh, the West is really loaded, so it's going, to be, it's going to be difficult to say that. I think without Billy Donovan and OKC and if Chris Paul leaves, I'm not sure how good OKC will be next season. I, I'm not going to doubt them, though, because I think that they play so hard. But they're going to be competing, I think, with like OKC and Memphis, Um and I think this Phoenix next year, I think Phoenix will be really good next year. I think Phoenix actually, I, the, the, the thing is, it's really going to depend on how much Zion improves his body in the offseason, right? I don't think it's going to be a lot to do with how Stan Van Gundy coaches them offensively. How Stan Van Gundy has to preach a better defense than they had last year. They had a really bad defense. But it's, I think it's going to be really key for how Zion comes in next year in terms of his conditioning, right? If his conditioning is on point like it was in college, right, or in high school, he'll be fine. But if it was like it was in the bubble, right, that, that's unacceptable. You can't really be doing that, right? Because look, Zion's a hard worker and he plays with so much power and force. It's just that there's a level of condition that comes with that, right? It's just that's what it takes to be at that great level. And I, I think Zion will understand. I think he's our knowledge that. And Sam Van Gundy will be harder on him for that reason. And that will allow them to, I think, to take that next step. I think they'll be fighting for that eighth seed, eighth seed excuse me, in the Western Conference. Now, I also wanted to take a little bit of time to reflect on the Tyron Lou hire. Now, I've heard some reports the Clippers are looking to break up their squad. I'm kind of interested in that because the only guy I really would take away from the team is maybe like Montrez Harrell or Paul George. Why? Well, Paul George, the thing is, if Paul George doesn't <clears throat> get over his problems from a year ago in the playoffs, it's going to be hard for this team to win, right? Because they're just going to you know, collapse on Kawhi like they did with the Nuggets and make Kawhi take tough mid-range shots. Even though Kawhi's good at that. You know, you saw in game seven when Kawhi's shot's not hitting, it's really hard for this team to get into their offense, right? But Montrez Harrell looks – I watched some workouts of him recently. He works with Jordan Lawley, and I saw him at some of those runs. And he looks in better shape. So I think that he'll be back ready to go for next season. I think Lou Williams will still – look, at, they're going to still be a championship contender next year. Do I think Tyron Lou is a great exit of no coach? From what I saw in Cleveland, I'm not so sure of that, right? I'm a little skeptical of him. Not from maybe – building good relationships with players. I think he does do that, but I didn't see a lot of what he did in Cleveland that made people really see him as this exceptional coach, right? Let's be honest. LeBron took David Blatt to the NBA finals, right? So and did David Blatt really run a lot of great schemes? I don't know. I'm not saying David Blatt's a bad coach, but I'm saying like with, with you know, when you have, a, when you're running an ISO offense, like Tyron Lue ran, and the only really scheme that Tyron Lue ran that was pretty interesting was that elbow action play. They run that on the Lakers. So it seems like that's a kind of a play that like LeBron likes to run. LeBron run that, ran that in 2015. He ran it in 2016, 2017, 2018. So even when David Blatt was there, they ran the, that kind of play. 
So I don't know yet. Like I know Tyron Lue is going to be hard on guys, right? But I, I, even that, like, I don't like, you know, he, yeah, cause he held Le- LeBron accountable. People think that he's a, this great head coach. I need to see more. I need to see if he's, you know, if he's, they rely on an ISO offense again next year, they're not going to win a championship, right? I just, they need to have some sort of ball movement and player movement to get Kawhi Leonard good spots. Now they, I think they need a legitimate point guard too. Patrick Beverly is a, is a uh, good defender. I, I don't think he's that top tier defender because he put him in the playoffs. He always gets beat by some good guard. I think he is a very good defender though. I don't want people thinking that I think he's not good defensively. He's very good defensively, obviously, but I don't think he's in that top tier. I think he's in that second tier of good defenders, right? I think a guy like Marcus Smart's better than Drew Holiday's better than him, right? Those are guards I would look at and say, oh, those guys are better, right? And um, that's just the way I go with that, right? But getting more on the Tyrone Lue hire, I think it's it's I think I'm very happy for him that he's getting another chance. I think he's in a really difficult situation because you're dealing with stars that have a bit of an ego issue, have a bit of like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's kind of not a uh, vocal leader. He's a lead by example guy, but also he's a guy from what I heard that showed up late to planes and all this kind of stuff. So it's going to be hard. Is he going to be able to hold Kawhi Leonard accountable next year? And even with load management, like be able to hold him accountable and say, look, you need to be here for this team. You can't just be taking all these games off. Right. Or are they going to buy into load management? Right. So it, that's a whole different dynamic. It's a very interesting situation. How this is all going to develop. Right. And the last thing I want to bring up is the Billy Donovan hire the Chicago Bulls. Now, based on what I saw from Billy Donovan and OKC, I think it actually is a very good hire because he built a great defensive team that challenged the Houston Rockets to seven games, right? Which actually, I think I'll, I'll get into the Daryl Morey uh, leaving the Rockets in a second, actually. That's what I'll end up with. But I think the interesting thing here is with Billy Donovan as the head coach, I think that Zach Levine can take a big step, right? You saw guys like Shea Gillis Alexander have a great year under him. Chris Paul played really well. Danilo Gallinari, right? Lou, Lou Dort is not a great offensive option. Having, you know, a big game seven again and outplaying James Harden in the game seven, right? So I think that he's going to be a great fit there for guys like Wendell Carr, Laurie Marketing. I, I think he's going to hold Laurie Marketing accountable and make him actually play to his potential. And I think he's going to allow Zach Levine to really take that next step. And Zach Levine's had an incredible year last year, right? One of the top scores in the NBA, right? Averaging over 25 points a game. Unbelievable player, right? Unreal. But I think he's going to allow him to take his next step in terms of a playmaker, in terms of winning intangibles because I think Billy Donovan proved last year with a I think it's hard to coach guys like Westbrook and Paul George I'm not saying because they're bad teammates it's just because they're so stubborn in their ways and so stuck in their ways that it's hard to break them out of that and formulate that but with Zach Levine he's a young player right they have a young team you can kind of figure that out right I don't think they have had the right coach to be able to hold Zach Levine accountable while also developing the the talent around him I think Billy Donovan did prove that now I am skeptical as everyone else is right because Billy Donovan did not do great under when he had Paul George and Russell Westbrook. But if last year says anything with that young team leading them to the five seed in the West shows me how good the Bulls could be next year, right? Because I think they have the talent. I think they have the nucleus to be able to figure it out, right? So in terms of that, that's interesting. And then the last thing I want to wrap up with, and I'm going to do probably like a minute or two on this, is Daryl Morey leaving the Rockets. What this shows me really, even though Daryl Morey has been the second winningest GM in the NBA since he's taken over, the problem is you want to get, you you need to kind of blow it up, right? Because you need to get rid of Dan Tony, you need to get rid of Daryl Morey. And it's not because of these guys are bad coaches and Daryl Morey is not a GM, but you have to just get rid of this whole analytics small ball thing, right? You need to resurface the team. You need to figure out how you're going to get James Harden in more ball movement, player movement kind of situations, right? 
You need to figure out a way to have a rim protector because so that LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray or Damian Lillard aren't just going to the rim and getting, you know, uncontested layups, right? That that's what was happening in the playoffs. Even though the Rockets did have the number one defense in entering the playoffs in the bubble, they, they didn't, I'm sorry, entering the, uh, in the playoffs, entering the Lakers series, their problem comes down to basically the fact they had no rim protector and they're, and, and, you know, with, the Thunder, they don't have as dynamic as a penetrator of the basket as LeBron, right? Obviously, LeBron is still the best in the game, right? And I think that's going to be an interesting way going forward. Now, I am, I'm curious to see who they replace at the GM and at the coach and how that's going to fit with James Harden. Um, but I, I am cautiously optimistic for the Rockets. Again, I, I think it's just it's hard to win. I think James Harden is a guy that's going to be a great regular season player and just a little underachieving playoff player for his career. Uh, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves the media wrong, right? Because I think he's talented, but I think their offensive scheme just doesn't work for him, right? Having And he has to find, I, I think he has to find way, more ways to be a little bit more efficient without taking so many dribbles and exerting so much energy making a move, right? I think he's so good at scoring, but you saw in the playoff series, he's, he had some really good games and also some really poor games. When he needed to play well, he didn't play well. Like the game five, right, against the Lakers, he had 30 points, but they got blown out, right? In game four and game three, he didn't do much, right? And that's, and you still, again, you have to look at the, when you look at his stats, you have to look at the free throws he takes. Look at the shooting percentages for a lot of those games. He doesn't always shoot a good percentage, right? He just gets the free throw a lot, a lot, a lot, which shows me that the system needs to change, right? It needs to change where there's more ball movement, more player movement, allowing James Harden to get easier shots. Russell Westbrook get hit, allowing him to get easier shots, right? And I don't think this team's ever going to win a championship with those two guys, but they have pieces to at least make things interesting, but they need a better offensive scheme, right? And they need to play defense next year. So, that's where I go with that. And as a result of that, this is the end of the show. Now I will be back on next week at some point. Uh, I encourage you guys to listen to this on Apple Podcasts, listen to this on Spotify, and also there will be a clip up on YouTube tomorrow. So give that a listen. All right. And thank you so much for tuning in.